everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. Stop selling yourself short. You have done the work. You've put in the time. And I think when people see someone succeed or they see them win the big award or have that moment of like outward recognition, I think they think like it's luck. Like after I won an award, somebody was like, oh, you should play the lottery. And it was a funny, it was a sweet statement, but it was funny to step back from it and go, this wasn't luck. This was work. This was years of hard work culminating in something great in my life. Welcome to Hustle & Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana. And I'm Alyssa. Courtney is taking a sabbatical this season to focus on her personal life and family, but the show must go on. Luckily, Courtney and I have been supported by a community of honorary sisters throughout our careers, and Alyssa is surely one of them. So this season, Dana will be joined by a new honorary sister each episode, and I'm honored to be one of them. And this year, we're talking with our guests about three important topics in the entrepreneurial journey, like team building, work-life balance, and how to recover from tragedy, both in business and in life. Last week, we talked all about being an entrepreneur that keeps you away from home and the people you love with Rachel Sheeran, a professional motivational speaker and conference MC with a knack for busting burnout and energizing audiences. So this week, the two of us are talking about the lessons we learned from Rachel about business and life and some of the mistakes that we've made along the way. Oh, loved it. Rachel's amazing. She is amazing. Like, she's just so joyful. Like, even on a Monday morning at 9 a.m., we were, like, scrambling, trying to get things. She was just, like, popping jokes. Yep. like Calm and collected. Yeah. Joyful, happy, <laughs> smiling, ready to go. I know. She's such an inspiration in that way. I'm curious what her Enneagram number is. Ooh, we need to find that. Yeah. <laughs> she has to be like a— You've got me keeping lists of people's okay. <laughs> Enneagram numbers at this point. I know people's wings. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Well, she's just so curious. Like, you learn so much about others for that way. Yeah. Oh, but that was so good. So let's start with what our overall like favorite takeaway was. Absolutely. I love knowing Rachel as a friend and as somebody in in our industry that she just lives such a big, full, joyful, self-fulfilling, mm-hmm. successful life. Mm-hmm. And she's not afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. I love that about her because I think we as women so often like shrink our own accomplishments and shrink our own goals and ambitions. And she doesn't. She mm-hmm. just leans in and and just takes on the world mm-hmm. in the process. It's exciting to watch. Yeah, she just like owns who she is. Mm-hmm. Like every bit of it. Like even if she thinks like, oh, this is a negative character trait, she like owns it. And it's like, this is just who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, and just, just unafraid to show up in her world yeah. as her most authentic self. And it's like that phrase of like, if I'm too much, go find less. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. I feel like she's a perfect sure. example of that. Like she's just a big, bold personality and so full of ideas and insights and just ready to share that with the people around her. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting because like the first time I ever heard her speak was actually at Palm Springs. And then I convinced the chapter to bring mm-hmm. her because I was like, she's amazing. You're going to love her. I was so moved by it. And so my mind, like that was one of the first like speakers I heard that was amazing. And I heard a lot actually at that conference. That conference had some really great education. Um, and so when I started my speaker journey, I don't want to say I compared 
myself to that, but I compared my energy to that. And there was a point when I was finally like, I'm not Rachel. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not my style. That's not who I am. That's not my authentic self. But when it comes to the confidence part and the putting yourself out there part, I think it's very okay to do a, what would Rachel Sheeran do mindset, which I I channeled her repeatedly (laughs) as I've gone on this journey to learn more about being an educational speaker and diving into the national side of it. I very much had her in the back of my mind as like, a, Rachel would be proud of this and B, this is how she would yeah. approach it. I think that's so cool. We're going to like start like a merch like, yeah. for her. <laughs> the Rachel super do? fan, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I will do it. <laughs> I totally agree with that. I thought that was like such a great overall message of the podcast in general. And, you know, kind of when we talked about work-life balance, she's just like, this is what it is. Like, I'm going to make my life work for me, which I really loved a lot, but. My overall favorite was when she said in the very beginning that she had to ask herself the question, is someone's reaction why you do it? Yes. Are you being a good daughter and is that what fulfills you or is it your mom telling you yeah. that you're being a good daughter? Like, that was an awesome distinction to, oh. to settle into there. I mean, yeah. So, but so, so convicting. And I think I struggled a lot with that. Like, so, um, you know, I, I, Lead, I'm a leader, obviously. Like I was president for a few years and of NACE, our, our local chapter. And I remember when I became president in January 2020, I was so excited. Like, and I had convinced the chapter we're going to take everyone to Evolve in Dallas. It was so expensive, but I was like, it's going to be worth it. Everyone's going to like get pumped. And we were. We had like three killer meetings that like blew out our attendance. Yes, it was yes. such a such an uh you had the whole um, year mapped yeah, out. Yes. I mean what it is that phrase? Nom- it's like make plans and God laughs or something. I know. But you did you had venues. Yes. I did all of it just locked and, and loaded. I just remember like COVID hit and I remember being so sad about this that this was gonna be my experience with the presidency that I'd waited so long and I and it was a it was a hard road to get there. There was a lot of like personal stuff that happened like with friendships and whatnot. And it felt like, okay, it, is this all going to be worth it? And then obviously got into COVID and I realized my purpose is to like try to keep this community alive. And and I felt like, I, I mean, I worked really hard at it and I gave so much of myself to it. And for Vegas, for experience, I was up for Emerging Member of the Year and I didn't get it. And I was really upset about it because I felt very unnoticed. And I was like, but I gave so much of myself in 2020 to this chapter and to this organization. And I was like, I just, I don't know if I can do this. And I was like, I'm, I had one more year and so I'm going to push through. I'm going to get through this year or whatever. And so then 2022, I applied, I got nominated for member of the year. And, and I told everyone, I was like, it wasn't a big deal. I didn't really care, but I really, really, really cared. And. Well, and we it, all cared too. Yeah, I mean, by like, that point, like we, you know, I think the year before it's like, we were all still living in a place yes, of trauma. Yes. We were. We, we might not have acknowledged it out loud, except that you gave us space and time to do so at NACE meetings and having real conversations around what it meant to be an event pro during that time. But it's like, maybe that was just the year that everybody was so busy rebuilding and digging themselves out of this traumatic existence that by the next year, I mean, I remember getting to, I was honored to be asked to write one of the recommendation letters for that member of the year. And to get to sit down and just reflect on how far we had all come as people, as parents, as community members, as event professionals to get to step away from that and to spend a little time meditating and writing on the role you played in that 
was really meaningful to me. Like I remember being in tears as I wrote it because it was like, it was like the community you built and the time you all gave everybody and the energy and the the advocacy for all of us was life-changing. Yeah. I mean, I think Thank a you. lot of us would not still be in this industry. I mean, I said it when I was <laughs> on stage this year when I improvised my yeah. accepted speech this yeah. year that it was like, I don't think I'd still be doing this mm -hmm. and doing it well mm -hmm. if I didn't have that nice community right. during, yeah. through that process. Well, thank you. It's very sweet. <laughs> yeah, but it was like, but I think it was the moment where I, I looked at my husband, who's the only one I told, I was like, I was like, I really need someone to notice this. Like, I really need this. And I, and I think for so long I was embarrassed by it because I think I was equating it that I needed the recognition and and what I really realized when she said that, it, I wasn't actually seeking someone's reaction. It's like, I just needed to feel seen. And that was a way that someone said, hey, I see you. I see all that you did. I see that all the amount of work you put in. I've yes. seen this. And, and this is a, a very small token to say thank you for. But if I would have gone through all that knowing I wouldn't have ever won that award for sure. Well, you know? and, as, and when we're in events, we work so hard in service to other people. So we're not always doing it for the recognition. You right. know, we're inherently a little more behind the scenes, a little more back of house in the work that we do. And so I feel like to do that and do it well for a long time and do it when it was really, really hard, almost nearing impossible and to come through it on the other side and then do way too much of it, right. you know, <laughs> and then to try to find this like more balanced life through all of that. I think it's okay to want some recognition yeah. in that, to go, I did a hard thing. I did it well. I made it through. Let's celebrate. Yeah. You know, and it it's not, it's not in like, oh, look at me and give me these awards. Right. It's about, you know, letting that experience in of like, I did a good job at this and let's inspire other people to right. do that too. Yeah. But I think it's like this. You have to, because I feel like, again, like as women, we do kind of try to keep ourselves small and we're told that, oh, you're just like seeking attention or whatever. And, and I really felt like when she said that, like it was really powerful to really make that distinction that what I'm doing and why I get on that stage, why I run my business is not for the reaction of somebody else. Like I can give you a whole host of reasons why I don't do it, but it doesn't mean that I don't want someone to notice, you know, and you don't want someone to say like, oh, great job, or for you to go after that, you know, great award or which we have all over our companies, right? We have it every year at our gala, yeah, right? Yeah. Where we're like being rewarded for this hard work. And it's not because we're not, we didn't do that amazing event so that we could get that award. We did that event because we loved what we do and we love to serve those clients. And it's amazing to be rewarded for that. So it was really helpful for me when she said it, like to kind of, oh, there's a distinction mm -hmm. and it's not the same thing. Um, because I think I always thought it was the same thing in a way. It's just why I was very like, like I didn't talk about it much. I like yeah. posted about it when it happened and like that was it. And I would go, I was in Atlanta a month later speaking at WIPA and Megan Ely was there and she introduced me to everybody. She was like, and this is the NACE member speaker of the year. And I was like, <laughs> Megan, like, oh my God, like, oh my God. And she's like, no girl, you need to wear yeah, that crown. Yeah. And, you know, and it was it's just true. Cause it's so like, funny. you know, there's recognition and there's fulfillment. Yes. It's like. You did the things you did because they're fulfilling to you. You right. went on your speaker journey and put yourself out there as an educational speaker because it's fulfilling to you. And if you gain recognition through that process, that's great. But that wasn't the why of it. Right. You did it because you felt driven to do it. You felt inspired and and empowered by all the things you've learned. Yeah. You know, you've gone on a journey and it's like 
to be able to go through all of that, learn so much, and then step back and mm-hmm. say, hey, world, here's what I've learned. Right. Like, there's power in that. There and is. it inspires other people. For sure. I think it's a great, like, just reset. Like, hey, am I doing this because it's what I want or am I doing it because it's who I want to be or am I doing it because I want someone, I need someone's reaction to affirm me? I think it's a really helpful way to kind of think about those moves. Maybe you feel like they're selfish, but they're really not at the end of the day, you know? Agreed. All right. So what about business? What was your favorite business takeaway? I loved hearing how Rachel has cultivated a support system Mm. through it that, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure at some point she was just hopping on a flight with a laptop and a clicker just ready to go on her early on speaker journey and come to things like our chapter meetings. Mm -hmm. And I love hearing her now all these years later and and being on the road over 150 days of the year Mm -hmm. is enormous. It's enormous. And the way that she has set up her life with like policies, with best practices for packing and for subscriptions to things and resources and just giving herself those gifts instead of trying to like watch every dollar and, you know, keep every eye on the bottom line. She's facilitating her best life by Mm -hmm. giving herself tools and resources to do it well. That's so powerful because I think that especially, and and I know we've all felt that like we're all, you almost feel stuck. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm sure you felt stuck in work where you're like, okay, like you're really great at what you do. And what else? And you kind of forget to ask yourself, how could I do this better? Yeah. You know, and I love people who like are continually trying to say, well, what could I do better? Like, how yeah. could I make this better? And for her, like, how could she make her life better? But how could she be a better speaker and Absolutely. have all these amazing it's taking tools. time to get out of doing that, yes. like day to day grind and take one big step back from it and really look at it and go, what's going well? What can I strategize to do better? And I feel like she's done that and like really honed in on how to be successful in it and look at the doors it's open for her. It's, it's crazy. Incredible. It's incredible. Like just her success is incredible. Um, well, I loved just from the the speaker side is that when she said speaker teaches what they need to learn, I thought that was like super powerful. Huge. We both wrote it down in Dan. <laughs> <laughs> because I struggle with that so much. Mm-hmm. I meant, so, you know, our thing is we talk a lot about making service statements and mission statements and we have them for all of our teams. That is hundred percent the truth. And I always end it with like, where should you put this? You should put it everywhere. Well, I'm the first to tell you like, I'm like, so whenever I'm giving that, I'm like, oh my God, is, is, it, on our, is it on our Instagram? Because it changes. Because our social media person changes our profile, yeah. like our bio often. Like just like, you know, what's going on and with like and links. Like, is stuff. that out there in the world? Yeah. Have I best conveyed it? Is it where it needs to be? Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's like, and it, I just, you know, you always have that like, imposter syndrome like someone gonna mm-hmm. look at you and say well you don't do that you don't do that you know um so I thought that was really powerful to recognize that that's just the truth that speakers mm-hmm. and you said it best like you're just putting yourself out there like yes. certainly maybe someone could do it better and say it better and whatever but they're not the ones up there doing it so I know? have a funny story around that because so I took Megan Ely's class speaking mm-hmm. of her and she had a great prompt which is about what do people ask you questions on and pick your brain about all Mm -hmm. the time? And so I had a list and it was work things, life things. And it was fun to really spend time with that Mm -hmm. question. One of them was, you know, in the work that I do was tenting. Mm -hmm. It was like, wow, tenting is big and weird and scary to people. Mm -hmm. And they just don't know enough about it to feel confident in it. And so I jotted that down. And then when the opportunity came to speak on a national level, I looked at that list and it was like, I don't think I'm ready to be like this great big, you know, Rachel Sheeran level motivational speaker right. talk about, you know, great big business swings of things. But I wanted to talk about something that I'm really fluent in mm. and something that I feel like a lot of event pros have a knowledge gap in. 
And, you know, I had a lot of moments of self-doubt and going, well, surely someone knows more than me. Surely someone's done it longer. And even through the conference review process, Mm -hmm. I met somebody. If you listened, shout out Robin, you're amazing. (laughs) So happy to have made a friend in you. I started chatting with her and and through it, I was like, oh my gosh, she knows so much. Mm -hmm. She has more years of experience in this, more educational background in the nitty gritty of this. And why isn't she the one doing this? And I, I almost was like, should I just turn it over to her? And then I was like, stop being ridiculous. Like yeah. you have put in the work, you know, nobody knows what goes into it behind the so scenes, much. but I took months of classes, mm-hmm. spent hours workshopping it, mm-hmm. hours gathering content, working with my team, l- years learning these mm-hmm. things and then putting it all together in hours that and still practicing. And so it's like, stop selling yourself short. Mm-hmm. You have done the work, you've put in the time. And I think when people see someone succeed or they see them win the big award or have that moment of like outward recognition, I think they think like it's luck. Like after Mm -hmm. I won an award, somebody was like, oh, you should play the lottery. And it was a funny, it was a sweet statement, but it was funny to step back from it and go, this wasn't luck. This was work. This was years of hard work culminating in something great in my life, you know? And look at you, like you've built a venue from nothing and turned it into incredible success, built a planning company from just an idea and a drive to do it. And it's like when good things come from that, yeah. it's not luck. It's not, oh, go grab a lottery ticket. Sure. Look at you go. It's like, no, you earned that. You did yeah. that. Yeah. I'm actually very unlucky. I never win anything like in the <laughs> raffle, like ever. <laughs> and Sam is so lucky. And every time, like he, like total side note, probably on the podcast, whatever. <laughs> we used to play the Wordle and he get, and he always changes, guesses a a new first word every day. Oh, and he would just like wing it. Two days in a row. (laughs) And I was like, you need to go play the lottery. Like that is way too lucky. That's true. Like that has to be luck or just like collective conscience or something. I don't know. It's crazy. (laughs) Telepathy. Right. But yeah, no, I think that is so true. And I think that, and she said it in that kind of that same conversation a little bit where she said that your main job is to bring people through the door of their opposition. And so I've been this summer, Ada is like super, super intelligent. And she was like, made hundreds on all her math last year. And yeah, girl. So I was like, let's see if we could just skip your next math. And so we, we've been learning al- math one, which is basically algebra one and some geometry this whole summer. And um, we've had some great resources, but she's pretty much taught herself. I'll come in and, and help adjust whatnot. But she's like, so, so, so smart. Like, That's so awesome. intelligent. Yeah, she is. Yeah, but she... But when she gets to this point and like, well, there'll be something that'll get really hard. Like we were learning, you know, quadratic equations, which is like trinomials, which is tough, right? And she just gets to this point where she's like, I can't do it. She's like, I can't do it. I don't understand it. Whatever, you know. And she wants to just shut down. And she just wants to shut down. And she starts getting emotional about it. And I had to look at her and I say, like, this is just your stumbling block. This is not, does not mean you're not smart. It doesn't mean you can't do it. There's just something in your way that is not letting you continue down this path. So let's figure out what, what that it is. It looks like to do hard things. Right. You know? Exactly. It's like, what is in that path? And so is it the way that's being explained? We need to explain it a different way. Is it the fact that you don't understand, you know, this basic concept? Like where are we, where is our hiccup at? Like where is the knowledge gap happening? And it was really helpful to get her through that because I realized like, you know, I can say something and it makes sense to me, but it might not make sense to everybody, right? Or I can say something five different ways and someone is going to click that one time with that person. And all your background in management and in personality yeah. styles and in, 
you know, getting through those limiting moments for people all culminated in you sitting down with Ada right. and doing math homework, yes. you know? Yeah. And you pushed her through yes. her limiting we belief push, moment. For sure. And I feel like what it comes down to too is when you're, and I've had to tell her, I was like, you know, this is how I, this is how I mess up all the time on my math. This is how I fixed it because I would inverse the X's and the Y's, whatever. And this is how I changed it. I would take this extra step or, and I feel like when you're up there and you're, and you're talking what people relate the most to is being real and authentic. And I'm not afraid to tell you where we've totally messed up. And I'm not afraid to tell you that, we, that when we messed up, we thought it was everyone else's fault but our own. And I blamed everybody else but ourselves. And it wasn't until I was like, oh, that really was not anyone's fault. It was our own fault, you know? And I think there's there's like that friction that we have with ourselves that we don't want to go through. We don't want to go through that opposition. We don't want to go through that block and figure out what that block is for whatever everyone. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. We are the owners of Hustle & Gather Consulting. We began our consulting business because our goal is to empower you with the knowledge and the enthusiasm to take those big steps in your business. We're excited to offer VIP days that provide up to five hours of one-on-one -on -one time with our team to help you navigate challenges within your business. Whether that's overcoming an obstacle, hiring that perfect team, or taking steps to expand into new territories, we want to help you achieve those milestones. Head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can help you. So you want to open a venue and have no idea where to start? We've been there too. We are Courtney and Dana, owners of Hustle & Gather Consulting. Over the last 10 years, we have built, operated, and scaled a successful event venue in the competitive triangle market. We want for you to learn from our mistakes and profit from our successes. Our venue marketing and direction consulting is for that person who thinks, just like we did one time, you know, opening a venue would be fun. And it is, but it can be scary and very confusing. Let us help you with those first crucial steps like market research, potential profitability, and design concepts, just to name a few. Head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can help you. For a reason. And I think, you know, a good speaker always gets you through that. Like, says, mm -hmm. take that out of the way. Now continue on that path and get through, like, where the success is on the other side. Yeah. You brought insight to it. You gave her time to, it's space to, like, think yes. through what was challenging her. And gave her the courage and the empowerment yeah. to know that she can do whatever she sets her mind to. And you live that out each day and she gets to watch and see it and observe yeah. and let that in. And so now it's in her too. So all fingers crossed she takes her final test on Monday. Yeah. It's she, I'm, she'll be, I'm sure she'll be fine. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. What about personal, personal takeaway that you, there were so many, I feel like we could like have a whole other podcast on that. So many. Mm -hmm. This was something that, that Rachel talked about in the realm of speaking, but I feel like carries into every facet of life is like when you're speaking, it's about being real and about being inclusive and about having your audience feel like I'm in the right place and that this is for me. Yeah, And I love that in life too, because it's like, you know, my, my core values are like community and inclusivity. And it's like, I want to create that space for people to show up as who they are. And I love that she brings that energy and helps people see themselves as a as a prospective speaker, see themselves as somebody who can succeed in their career and in their life by doing what she does, but by like showing up and making room for them to be that and letting them feel included, like truly included as exactly who they are. Yeah. So that was inspiring for sure. Yeah. And I think like even if you were to like speaking for sure, but like even in your own life, like is as a as a partner and uh you have a partner in life, like even creating that space for them, for them to say, this is where I'm supposed to be, like I'm in the right place. And there's been so many times, and that's not true, I think, 
for everyone at all points in life. Like everyone has those, you kind of go into that roller coaster of like, you feel like you doubt where you are. And like, I know Sam's in that place right now. Like he doesn't like love his job. He like, it's not like his passion, but he doesn't really have a passion. So he's like in this weird kind of nebulous thing. And, but what he loves is he loves looking at me and saying, you are where you're supposed to be. And like that to him is meaningful to him. And that's you, know? you leading by example too every right. day and going, I'm building the life that I'm meant to live and having the success that I'm meant to have. And it's, you know, he's probably loving other roles as yeah. your partner and as a father and as, you know, like he an essential, yeah, he's the <laughs> essential other half yes. of that partnership that makes your life work. Yeah, And I think it's, awesome that he you know things are going great like Mm -hmm. the world is finding balance again Mm -hmm. after some really tumultuous years and he's probably looking around and going wow Dana loves the life she's living that she's built for herself what's next for me you know even if it's a a slow steady march to get to that it's cool that you're inspiring him to find it yeah but don't you find that like because I know that you do a lot for um, your daughter like you're on the school like PTA yeah I serve on a school I'm on the school board of directors at her school yeah yeah and that's that's a sacrifice. It is. It's a it lot is. of time. But <laughs> you feel like when you look at her and she feels like this is where I'm supposed to be. This is the place where I can flourish and grow. I've had to find a lot of my journey in being a mom, being a wife, being a family member, a daughter, you know, all of it. And in being an ambitious, driven person and, and owning that, yeah. you know, just being able to say out loud, like, I am ambitious. I do want to achieve great things. And I've had to look at what does that mean? Like, where are my priorities? You know, like we talked about with Rachel and thinking about what matters to you and looking at your calendar and your wallet as an extension of that. And and are those things aligned? And one thing I had to realize was like, I'll never be the mom who is there every day being the class mom and bringing cupcakes in the middle of the (laughs) afternoon. That won't happen for me for as long as I'm on the career journey that I'm on. Right. But I have time. I have talents. I have other skills and other drive to give to the community that I live in and to the school that my daughter attends. And it helped me reimagine volunteerism and reimagine what it means to give of yourself. You know, it doesn't always have to be dollars. It doesn't always have to be just a clock in kind of volunteer shift. It can be high level volunteerism. It can be giving back in a really impactful way and guiding strategy and decision making and helping with big picture things, because if that's what you're good at in your day to day, there's no reason not to do that right. in a philanthropic right. way too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I always thought that you embodied that really well. Cause I felt like, I mean, I, there have definitely been times like I have volunteered and it's not been my favorite thing, but I've done it out of obligation. Like, oh, I should probably go, you know, do this or whatever. But I always feel like when you talk about it, it's just so happy and like, you're so grateful to be there yeah. and like in that space. And it's like one of those things like, you're you're where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you that was a, that was a COVID silver lining for me was rediscovering volunteerism because I loved volunteering when I was younger. You know, Girl Scouts, youth groups, so on and so forth. Was always given those opportunities and had limitless time to do them. But in, as an adult, you don't always have that time, and no one is going to find it for you. And I think when when I was like living through COVID and having that like, why is this all happening to me? Kind of feeling. I think getting out of that and volunteering helped me realize, A, there's so much good in my life and so much good in this world. And B, like what we do for other people matters. And so it gave me that space and time to layer that in now and to just go like, no matter what, no matter how busy I am, no matter what my sales goals are, no matter who needs me when, I will make time to volunteer because that's a core part of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is so important. 
Yeah. Uh, my personal one was a little bit of a downer, I guess, but <laughs> when she said like every grief brings new life to old grief and she was kind of speaking about when she lost bricks, which I, which I remember she posted, I just felt, I felt that emotion for her deeply because I know how much she like loved, loved, loved bricks. She said it perfectly, her soul pop. Yeah. yeah. Like that was, you know, and, and, and she still, you can tell it's painful even now to talk about it. And it made me think about like, grief, not necessarily losing a person or a, a loved one or, you know, or your soul pup or whatnot, but it's grieving the life that you either wanted or the life that you had. And every time you go through these cycles, it kind of brings up that old grief in a lot of ways. So like there's many times like when I have felt like super overwhelmed and and there has been times I haven't wanted to leave. I just wanted to stay home and you kind of grieve the idea, okay, I got to get back on that plane. I got to go do this thing. And and then it always brings up, to me, my memory is it always brings up Henry. It always brings up me not being around that first year of his life, which I have immense regret and severe like emotion about. And it always makes it so fresh and so new. And I and I remember talking to my therapist and it's like, I just feel like I'm not over it and I don't know how to get over it. And I think Rachel said it so well that I don't think it's, doesn't mean you haven't gotten over it. I think it just almost sharpens the new grief in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, like it almost makes you recognize like, hey, you got this really hard thing before. Like you can get through this really hard thing. Yeah, you let right it now. in as part of you. Yeah. It grows who you are. And yeah. but she said like loving big and then like having big loss. Yeah. I mean, they go hand it's in hand. It's a great life. Yeah. Yeah, what she said, she said like rich life comes with great loss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I think I know. And the older we get, and the more the life we live, and the more people we let into it, the more that's going to happen. Yeah, but that's sure. just part of the human experience. I know, yeah. but it was like it just was like such a because I mean I'm sure you felt that way too. Like not as a parent or but like parts of your life that you just grieved. Like even look at me and Sam. Like I can remember that first year of marriage. Like we had so much fun. Oh my <laughs> gosh, we had so much fun. We used to eat banana splits for dinner. We were like, we're allowed to do this. Like, <laughs> no one's telling us not to. No one's telling us not to. And it was just, we would like have campouts in the living room and like stay all like on Saturday mornings. We just lay like and watch Lost yeah. Marathon. Josh and I used to go kayaking on a near daily basis. And like, it's like, what? Who has time for that? <laughs> it feels like a different right. person a lifetime ago. I know. But it was, it was part of the journey. It and, was. And like she said about her and her husband, it's like, we grow together and we change mm. together and we've been different people since we've been together, but that's yeah. a good thing. It's like, we, we haven't just stood by and stayed the same yeah. just because that's who we once were once. Yeah. Well, she said, it's not just loving how we are now, but it's loving how we are going to be. Like you can almost look at and say, like, I love who you are now, but I'm also going to love who you're going to be in the future. And I love the potential in you yes. and I love the drive in you. Yes. And I, I mean, I feel that way about my daughter. I know you feel yeah. that way about your kids too. It's like, it's fun to see that in yourself and your partner and in your family. Yeah, for sure. Okay. This is the fun part of the podcast <laughs> where we got to talk about where we have really fucked up. So maybe we can talk about a travel fuck up. So we talk about travel a good amount, which I totally <laughs> like go travel. It's the best, like absolute yeah. best. If you can, me and Sam, we always talk about going to family vacations. Like we love going to the beach, love going to the mountains. And it's like, it's hard to leave North Carolina because yes. there's so it's many so cool true. places to visit in North Carolina. Good problems, right? I know. <laughs> yes. But. Yes. I, when I traveled to Dallas recently for my first national speaking engagement, I so remember sitting on the couch and go, you know, going back to that mindset of, oh, the whole plane's going to the same place. So let me just book these, you know, get my aisle seat, but it doesn't matter where. 
And on the way there, I sat down next to a very kind man who had like the loudest, angriest, wettest cough in this world. And I I felt so rude. But what I did in real life was I stood up because we had, of course, not taken off yet. I reached into my carry-on suitcase up above and I grabbed a mask and I very reactively put it on and wore it very tight to my face for the whole time. And I I was worried about how that would be perceived, but I ultimately decided I didn't care. Like yeah. I needed to protect my own health and protect my own comfort in this space. But I also remembered that perhaps next time I will go ahead and splurge on myself when I'm traveling solo, get the better seat yes. up, up with a little more room, a little yep. more space to not be inches away from yes. somebody who clearly was unwell. That was my recent travel mm, fuck up. It's but. a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's very, I think for me, very like similarly in a lot of ways. It's like I just in general, like I don't like to speak up. Like I don't like to ask for things when they're like to fix things when they're wrong or ask the questions I should say. So I was actually coming back from Dallas and I was starving and I just assumed that there'd be food on the flight. Mm -hmm. Like because they always have food for purchase or whatever. And I was like, I'll just purchase a chicken salad because I'm also nervous about time. Like I don't think, I think time moves faster than it does. So like I don't like to be like in a store when like we're boarding, like, I don't know why I'm just neurotic about it. And so I get on the plane and I like wait a little bit and the beverage service comes around. I was like, I want to order whatever. And she's like, oh, there's no food on this flight. And You're I was like, great. Like, I'm starving. I, I Thank you. And I was like, can I have like five of those cracker <laughs> things? Like, but I, I've learned, you know, I kind of, from that moment, I was like, Hey, like, I'm just going to ask, like, I just go up to the gate and it's like, Hey, yeah. is there food on this flight? Like it's not, and you're not being rude or whatever. You're just kind of not being afraid to just ask the questions to make sure that you, you know, how would you think you're going to have on the flight or not? So I was starving. Sit there with your belly rumbling for three yeah. hours back to Raleigh. Oh. Yes. So oh hungry. Gosh. Yeah. Okay. What about in life? So for mine, I think, and I kind of alluded to it before, like it's where I just wasn't proud of myself. And she really, it really was powerful when she said that she saw that quote in the YMCA where it said, if you were to list all things you love, how long would it take for you to list yourself? Mm-hmm. And I just, I think, I never would have listed myself. Like, I just don't think like, I would have. End of list. I wasn't it, on it. Like, oh, right. <laughs> and, and it, cause it didn't even dawn on me yeah. that that should be something that is yeah. on my list. And I think that that is where, and I, I can't even say that this is like a past tense, you know, fuck up that like it happens regularly where I just, I'm, I'm not outwardly proud of myself. I can be proud of myself in like places where I feel safe, like, you know, with Sam or, you know, I'll talk to Ada about stuff like that, but like, in work and, you know, social circles. Like, I'm just not someone to be like, oh my gosh, look at what I did. Like, look how amazing this is. And I think that, I don't know. I think it's a shame. Well, it's, you know, we've talked about like, there's, there's the recognition, like the outward awards and honors and recognition of your achievements. And there's the fulfillment side. It's like, if you, if you feel fulfilled in it and you feel accomplished and recognized in it, I think it's really okay to say it yeah, out loud and to, for sure. and, and to treat it as part of your self-love journey, mm-hmm. you know, because it is. It's like to love yourself enough to convey that as part of who you are helps let other people see themselves that way and helps other people feel more loved in the process, right? you know? No, I think that's totally true. And I think for me, I struggle a lot with like, I am proud of where we came from. I am proud of we made something out of nothing. But I'm also recognized that there was, there was a certain amount of privilege I had, you know, just being the person that I am, just being, you know, a white woman in the world. Like, that's privilege in and of itself. And so sometimes I think I doubt kind of what uh, you were saying earlier, how someone's like, oh, you're so lucky. Sometimes I don't, I do think, well, maybe this was just a little bit of luck and not just hard-earned work, which it's, I think sells yourself short. It's hard work and it's, and it's 
real drive and, yeah. and you know, opportunity to succeed yes. in your life. But it's also like, yeah, there are layers of privilege. I mean, I acknowledge all, that all the time in my own life that like my life wouldn't work without the support of my family. Right. right. God got my mother-in-law is a daily part of our lives. And my mom too. It's like without having the resources around you to help you succeed, it's right. so much harder. It can still be done, but it is. There's sure. privilege to acknowledge there and and gratitude to give back as you succeed. Right. That it's right, like, right. I couldn't have done this alone and I didn't do it alone. I, this took a group and it took, you know, yeah. took years of trying and failing and figuring yes. it out to get to a place. So I'm going to, I'm going to be better about it. Good. So next time you see as me, you be like, what are you proud of? Yeah. What are you proud of? You're going to make me get what all like itchy. And be like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really loved, and I, I acknowledged when Rachel talked about being embarrassed about wanting to be on stage. I think that we truly are all taught to be so humble and to be so quiet and, and, you know, reserved in the way that we come into the world. And it's like, I love that she acknowledged that as part of her childhood and then dove way past it. You know, like when I called my mom and told her I had been accepted to speak on a national level, she, her first words were, Oh my gosh, aren't you scared? <laughs> And that was that was it. And I was like, I mean, yes, I'm not not scared, right. but I'm more excited than I am scared. Yeah. And it was amazing because it, you know, I think she never would have put herself in that kind of place or even put herself out there to say, hey, this is something I'd like to do. And I think that's so common of the generation that came before us, like Rachel talking about her amazing, brilliant mom being a nurse and, and not loving it, but doing it because it facilitated the other good things in her life. It's like... Let's be less embarrassed of yeah. those things, of those ambitions. And right. let's go out there and do those bold things. Right. Their only good comes from it. Yeah. And I think it I think it just leads like a healthier, happier life in general. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was, you know, for a little bit for us too, like just that we've kind of structured our life to where kind of similar to what you said, like where we aren't ashamed of like what we want of what we want to do. So like we bought a very inexpensive house always and forever renovating it. <laughs> like it's a very, 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 very low mortgage. And we spend all of our money, like what we've been spending all our money on is traveling. Like we have this massive trip. I can't say it on the podcast because the kids don't know about it. But there's <laughs> a massive trip planned in the summer, next summer, that like we just never would have dreamed of taking. We would never would have dreamed of going to Costa Rica over over Christmas. Like, But you're manifesting the life that you yes. want to have and then you're living it. It's yes. exciting. And it's like not being ashamed of that. Yes. Like there, I think you, I think sometimes when you get in that place, especially if you grew up, to me, how I feel like you grew up not having a lot of money and you made everything work from nothing and you were praised by that. Like I remember my best friend in college. She was super, super wealthy and she's still my best friend to this day. And she's a very generous person. But I remember she told me one time, she said, I'm so jealous of you. And I was like, why? Like I'm literally eating like ramen noodles and you have everything. And she's like, but everything you have, you've worked for. And it became this badge. Yeah. Like almost like you're a martyr in a lot of ways. Like I had nothing and I created this thing. And so when your life switches to where you're very, very generously blessed and you don't have to work as hard and you still have to work hard, but it's, you know, at this point you're in this kind of plateauing a little bit of a free fall a little bit. You're seeing the benefits of yes. your many years of hard work. Right. And yeah. you have to remind yourself, like, it took 16 years to get here. It took 16 years of, like, scrimping and saving, and but you still can't fully embrace it because, I don't know. Yeah. Like, when, I, when I was going through the process of 
going from, you know, serving on the sales team to interviewing and being selected to be the director of sales and leading the team that I've served on, it was like, oh, am I, am I deserving of this? Am I ready for it? Am I good enough to step into a director level role before age 35? And I had to step back and go, I have done the work. I have, yeah. I have stood in the showroom while women hummed and hawed over napkins for 20 yeah. minutes. <laughs> I have loaded heavy, heavy audio gear up flights of stairs in New York right. City. I have worked there's no hour of the day in which I have not worked through middle of the night days, through 24 hour shift days, through just endless days of event, event production. And I've learned so much along the way. And it's like, I am allowed to succeed. Yeah. I am allowed to level up because I have been leveling up all these years and just not saying it out loud. Right. You know? Yeah. That's so powerful. Deserve it. You deserve it. <laughs> yeah, we it's, all. We it's all so hard to hard say that. And, yeah, <laughs> it's so hard to say that. Like you deserve it. Like you deserve this. I think you it's so easy to tell other people that. It's like, so true. I, yeah, yeah. And, and that's been the sweet feedback. People have been like, "Oh, you deserve this," and I'm like, "Whoo!" Like to hear it yeah. and to go, "Oh," or I had people say, "Oh, I always knew this was coming," and it's like, man, maybe they knew before I did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because again, you don't always think about how people see you and what lens they see you through, but. People are cheering for you. Yeah, they are. You know, I learned that in Megan Ely's speaker class. Like the audience is on your side. That's that goes for the onstage speaker part and for the life yeah. part. But I think it's what makes you a good leader. Humbleness uh, is always, I think, makes a good leader because I think people who want to be leaders because they want to make someone's life better because because they put in the work because they know how to do the job really well, like are great leaders as opposed to leaders who are like, well, I just I'm. I should be a leader, you know, like just because of this attribute or whatever is, those are hard leaders to follow. So I think it's, you know, you're going to be an amazing sales director Thank you because Thank of your humbleness you. and because you care about it so much. Thank you. I really do care about it so much. And I am excited, you know, when I thought about leading a team, it was like, oh, am I a manager? And I finally had to step away and be like, this team doesn't need a manager. You know, I'm not there to oversee their every move and check that they clocked in at the right time. That's not the kind of team it is. It's like, I'm excited to be a teacher and a mentor and to help people succeed in what they do and to lift them up, you know, instead of just being on my own grind and doing it my own way. It's like, I'm excited to create culture around that and to create enthusiasm and drive and help teach other people to do their best work. That's exciting. I love that. Actually, I always say like when we talk about like our job roles, I was like, oh, I manage the Bradford. But I was like, I don't actually really manage them because I don't manage them. But I love that idea of being almost like the mentor of the Bradford. Yeah. Like such a better way to say that. Exactly. Because those girls don't need a manager. Yeah. They're already high level event yes, professionals. They're amazing. They don't need you to hold their hand. No. They need you to inspire them. Yes. There's a big for difference sure. there. Such a big difference. Yeah. I love that. That's a great little nugget, Alyssa. Thanks. <laughs> Learned from that the might best. show up in the management <laughs> workshop. You just don't know. <laughs> I love it. I'll be proud and I'll be there in the audience <laughs> okay. cheering you on. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, all right. Well, that was a great episode. Thank you so much for being honorary sister this week. It truly was an honor. Thank yes. you for having me. Of course. To learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at the Bradford NC, at Anthem.house, and at Hustle and Gather. And if you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. And to follow along with what my team and I are up to, feel free to follow us on Instagram at Curated Events Raleigh and myself at Alyssa L. Ruth. You can come along with me on my speaker journey as well as my rental journey and my new career journey as the director of sales on the team that I've been a part of for the past seven years. 
Also, if you love us and you love this show, we'd be more than honored if you left a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of EarFluence. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you the next time on Hustle & Gather.